Good day and welcome to the shootout. I'm Ted Wyman and I'm joined by the Derail Express on the West Coast, Daryl Paquin. Daryl, how are you doing today? Doing great. Uh, hockey starts today. It's like Christmas in October. Absolutely. It's the first day of the hockey season and if you're Canadian and you grew up on the ponds and in the rinks, this is a special day, no question. Daryl, it's a special day for all of the fans. It's a special day for the teams. Everybody's tied on this first day of the season for first place, but many of them will not make the playoffs in the long run, and only one of them will win the Stanley Cup. So, Daryl, we want to talk about the Winnipeg Jets right off the bat. Do they have what it takes to make the playoffs in the Central Division Western Conference this season? Um, I, I'm going to say they do have what it takes. Um, they have enough talent. Um, if the uh, systems are finally uh, going to work for Claude Noel, if he finally gets his message across, uh, with the talent they have, especially on defense, and if Pavlik can provide some you know, solid goaltending, I think they're, they're going to be on the cusp of the playoffs. I think they can be a playoff team. So many ifs. That's the one thing, and I heard it in your comments right off the bat. So many ifs with this team. If Andre Pavlik picks up his save percentage and his goals against average, then they can be a playoff team. If Claude Noel can mold these guys better than he did the last two seasons, then they can be a playoff team. If Mark Shifley and Jacob Truba fill the holes that they are missing from guys like Antropov and Hainsey. That's not even a hard thing to do necessarily to fill those holes, but it's still an if. There's so many ifs with this team that I wonder if it really is possible for them to make the playoffs. They certainly can, but will they? I think they're going to be maybe just on the outside looking in once again. Well, you know, Donald Rumsfeld uh, famously said, you can control the things you can control, and you can't control the things you can't control. But, uh, you know, uh, it's just uh, hard work. Gets it done. That's what I got to say. And I think that this team maybe needs to lift it up in that area. Maybe there's been some issues of whether they work hard enough to get it done. Uh, You have to be desiring to win at every minute of the entire season from the minute they drop that first puck. And you can't just want it. You have to need it. And that's the thing that the Winnipeg Jets... I don't think have had in the last couple of seasons. They've got to have it. I don't know if they have the right mix of players to do that. I don't think guys like Antropov really wanted it that badly. That may be good for them that that guy's out of there and maybe some of the other guys that are not not here anymore. And they've got different players here who probably have a better attitude on it. But that's the thing we're going to have to see is if these guys want it bad enough. Because, man, only 16 out of 30 teams make it, and it is not that easy. Yeah, well, you know, um, like I said, I think they have enough talent. They can do enough scoring. As long as they can bear down defensively, I think they're okay. Um, I think size might still be a factor. It might, indeed. But they do get, I think, an improvement in this team. Again, it's an if, but Mark Shifley, the center who is probably going to start on the second line, Jacob Truba, the defenseman who's definitely in the top six defenseman right off the bat and brings a lot of uh, physicality and, uh, and skill to the team, and so certainly Shifley brings the skill level up as well. Those guys have to produce. Will they produce? That's the question. From what you've seen so far, do you think that those guys can make an impact? Well, in the preseason, I thought Shifley was a little up and down. Uh, once again, that harkens back to the consistency thing. But Truba... Absolutely impressed me. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, what What did you like about him? I like the fact that uh, he uh, he gets in the corners. He makes it hard to play against, which is always something good. You could wear down the other team. I like the fact that uh, he gets the puck at his own zone. He takes two or three strides, and he is gone. 
Yeah, I'm not hearing a lot of bad things about them at all. You know, they're, you're always looking for it, especially in my business, in the media business. You're looking for reasons to detract from a player just so that it's not too much, uh, you know, hype about a guy, for yeah, instance. But it, yeah. Too much expectation. But in this case, there hasn't been much. He had a pretty slow start to the preseason. We could say that, but he's built... Uh, up and gotten better throughout the preseason to the point where now he's starting in the game in Edmonton in the season opener and he did something similar I thought last season in the you know the world championships uh, where he was playing with men for the first time while well, he came from university so that's not really right to say but as he played with NHL players for the first time in the world championship he started a little slowly and just got better and better and this is what the Jets are hoping from him and I think you know, there's certainly some talk out there that he's going to be the bigger of the impact players of the two. But I still think if Shifley can hold his own in his own end and contribute some points offensively, and I'm thinking, boy, if they could get 40 points out of him, they'd be thrilled. That could be huge for this hockey team. And really what they need is to have that second line produce, and I think Shifley will be key to that. Yeah, I totally agree with everything you said. The one thing I would add about Chuba, that one thing that I really like, is I think that sometimes the Jets seem to be lacking a little bit of, uh, you know, zest for the game. And Truba comes in, and he's unbridled. He comes in, and you can see the joy in his face. He loves playing the game, and I think that's uh, somewhat of an intangible, right, that they didn't have before, and that's one thing that he really brings to the table as well. So I think that just bodes better for the overall team kind of psyche. All right, let's continue with our NHL preview here on the Shootout Podcast. And, Talk a bit about who we think are going to be the teams to beat this season. Daryl, you're in Vancouver. You see the Canucks a lot. Um, you've seen a lot more of the Western Conference probably in the last couple of years than I have, for that matter. Uh, Winnipeg comes over. There's only 14 teams in the West, and, and, and there's, seven, or there's eight uh, spots available, which is going to make it a little bit easier in the West to get a playoff spot. But there's a lot of tough teams on this side. Who do you like to make it through on this side? On the uh, west, on the west coast. On the side? west, on the west, yeah, just not even the Pacific, but the entire Western Conference. Uh, well, uh, hate to uh, hate to pick the same teams that everybody else is picking, but uh, LA's got to be there. Um, uh, they have the goaltending, and they have uh, at least one stud defenseman in uh, in uh, Dowdy, but they also got the uh, the Russian guy who's really good, and so that drives that team. And they're a big team, and they wear you down over the long haul. Having said that, St. Louis is a very similarly built team, probably even more gritty these days. And they have, in my opinion, the uh, future Norris, uh, best defenseman in the league, in Peter Angelo. And uh, to win anything in this league, I think you need a stud defenseman, and they have all that criteria. So I like L.A. a lot, and I really like St. Louis. As a matter of fact, I'm going to say St. Louis is going to be in the cup final, and uh, they got at least a 50-50 chance. Well, I like your picks, i got to admit, but I'm going to have to stay with the Chicago Blackhawks. What a team they were last season. Almost unbeatable at the start. Made it all the way through. They have had some changes. David Boland is gone to Toronto. Michael Frolik to Winnipeg. I don't think that that's enough of their depth gone that they won't still be a top contending team. And I like to see, uh, I think, that the Chicago Blackhawks are going to go through again. But a very interesting conference. And just interesting on the central division, you know, where the Jets play. There's a lot of talk here. The Jets can't make the playoffs in that division because it's got Chicago and St. Louis in it. Well, but who does it have after that? You know, Minnesota's a pretty good team. They made the playoffs last year, but they weren't immeasurably, 
immeasurably better than the Jets. And then Nashville, Dallas, and, and uh, Colorado didn't make the playoffs. So I don't think that that division should be that daunting for the Jets. I know you had some thoughts on the Nashville Predators. You know, that's a team that has been there up and down the last few years. And then this year they add a prized defenseman in Seth Jones. Right, but uh, their problem over the last couple of years, especially the last two years, is no offense. They've all never been an, an offensively gifted team, but uh, I believe they uh, they should have addressed that in this off season. Even last year, they got rid of Erat, who has been probably one of their most consistent offensive players for the last few seasons. So they went out to get a stud defenseman, but you know you can shut the other team down, but if you're not scoring any goals, you can't win. Well, that's true. And the Colorado Avalanche are another team that has struggled in past years, but they do pick up Nathan McKinnon this year, and uh, they've already had some pretty good offensive players there. I think that that's a team that could surprise a few people on the west side as well. I don't know if they're quite there for making the playoffs, though. On the east side, it's, uh, boy, I saw the Boston Bruins this week, or last week here in Winnipeg, and boy, did they ever look good. And it was just the preseason, of course, but that looks like a fantastic team. A lot of people liking the Pittsburgh Penguins as well. And now you've got the Detroit Red Wings over on that side. So who do you like? It doesn't have to be one of those three, obviously, but who do you like? Well, well, first of all, uh, uh, you know, Detroit is in that division. Uh, Detroit uh, is missing grit, which uh, everyone says you can have team toughness, but you still need that nuclear weapon. You need to have the other team to be honest. And if you have that threat of a nuclear weapon, some you know, guy who can ride the shotgun with your best players, that keeps the other team honest. Uh, I also think that Detroit, everyone's picking Detroit, but they just don't have the uh, defense. I mean, as I stated earlier, you need a stud defenseman, and I don't see that in their lineup. So I'm going to have to say, not impressed with Detroit. Great coach, probably the best coach in the league. Love, love uh, Babcock. I think he's awesome. But uh, like I said, they need a little more, a little more grit. Uh, we were talking about Dave Bolin before. I think Dave Bolin is a little underrated. Uh, he brings a lot of things to the table, a lot of intangibles, and he is a really a, a blood and guts kind of a guy. Um, I'm also going to say that I think Aguinla is probably second-guessing his decision in the last year to go to Pittsburgh as opposed to uh, the Bruins. Does he not just totally fit into the Bruins system or not? Oh, he does, but, I mean, he, he doesn't really second-guess anything. He just went, and went to the Bruins anyways. I mean, it worked out fairly well for him. I mean, the Bruins did make it to the Stanley Cup, and they didn't win. But had he had they gone and won it, he certainly would have made the wrong decision. But Might uh, have some he's bling on his finger right now. Yeah, it, he was, and maybe he could have made the difference. For all we know, Yarmir Yager played pretty well, but he didn't score in the postseason. So uh, that's an interesting one. What about the Penguins? I mean, this is a team that has been there and won it and come so close, and they've got so much talent with Crosby and Malkin and Latang. Really not very good in goal. Fleury is just not going to cut it anymore. Vakun's not well. Uh, boy, you know, can they still be a contender if they don't have that top-flight goaltender? Uh, I, well, short answer, no. You need goaltending. It's like, you know, the Edmonton Oilers were the last team that didn't have, you know, great goaltending, but uh, even their goalies made the, the timely saves when they needed it, but they had, you know, an unbelievable offense, right? Graham Fuhrer uh, was pretty good. He I made some great Pittsburgh. saves. Sorry, His numbers watching. weren't that great, but he was pretty good. Yeah, well, like I said, when you need that goal... Uh, to be, uh, you know, or that save at the big time, that was his forte, I think. Absolutely. Uh, as far as Pittsburgh goes, I, I've been watching them over the few, last few seasons, and uh, there seems to be, I don't know what it is, there's something going on there. And uh, I was thinking back in the old uh, data bank in my brain, and I was watching uh, a game near the end of the season in the uh, 20, uh, 
2011-2012 season. It was after Crosby had just come back from his uh, concussion issues. And it was kind of an interesting thing. And at the time, it kind of dawned on me, and I even replayed it because I had it on uh, PVR. And I remember uh, uh, Crosby was just inside the blue line, offensive zone. He was flanked on either side by the other, uh, the other team's uh, players. And Malkin came crashing in. Uh, there didn't seem to be any obstruction in his vision. And he went crashing into Crosby, and it seemed like it was a shoulder on Crosby's chin. And he hit him. And it was kind of odd to me. It just seemed kind of peculiar. But the thing that I found really odd is the fact that after he did it, having known the predicament Crosby was in, he didn't even offer to help him or say, hey, are you okay? So I don't know if, you know, don't mean to be controversial, but it seems to me that maybe, in my opinion, there's a bit of an issue there with Malkin and Crosby. Perhaps Malkin wants to be the man. I'm just saying that. That's just my observation. But well, uh, I, We like controversy, and I'm glad that you did do that. But no way. There's no way he hit him on purpose. There's just no way that happened. I mean, I think you're seeing things. But, uh, you know, I mean, I can definitely buy your argument that maybe there's a rift with them. Maybe Malkin wants to be the man. Has Malkin not been a better player when Crosby's been out? I think you could definitely make that argument. I think that, but, but I don't know. I don't think there's any chance in the world that he intentionally hit the Pittsburgh Penguins' $10 million man on the ice. I just don't think it's possible. Well, well, like I said, it's just my opinion. It's kind of controversial, but there's definitely something wrong in Pittsburgh land. Well, and then I think it all goes back to the goaltending. But that being said, there's been a couple of seasons in a row where they were top, top team and they just didn't get it done in the playoffs. And, of course, I think Sidney Crosby is the best player in the world. I think he's up there on a par with some of the greatest of all time. He doesn't score quite as many points, but nobody does in this day and age. But he has just been a tremendous player, elevated above all else in this hockey league right now. And uh, I'd be very, very interested to see if Sidney Crosby could play an 82-game schedule, how many points he'd score. I'd almost assure you it would be as many as anybody has scored since the likes of Lemieux or, uh, or Yager uh, anywhere in the NHL, because scoring 125 points in this league is, is you know, never done anymore. So he could definitely do that. He was on pace to do better than it last year through about 40 games before he got hurt. So I'm thinking Boston, and you are uh, also liking the Bruins, or who do you like? You know, I just, I just see that Boston, they're big. They can score. They can skate. Goaltending, uh, Tuka Rask, I think, one of the best goalies in the league, and, uh, and they have the experience. And adding components like uh, Louis Erickson, who I've always liked, of course, being in the West. Uh, I always, I've been watching lots of Dallas games over the last few years. Very impressed with Louis Erickson. Uh, uh, a goal scorer to say the least and adding a Ginla to what they already had and the young defenseman coming up a little more scoring punch even I think Boston is a uh, is pretty good bet and in a seven game series I wouldn't want to be facing Zdeno Chera and that team <laughs> No doubt Let's talk about some of the coaches in the NHL right now You brought up an interesting point before we started the uh, shootout today about the fact that there's all these former Winnipeg Jets from the old days coaching in the National Hockey League right now and you're talking about Randy Carlisle and you're talking about Paul McLean in Ottawa and you're talking about Dallas Eakins in Edmonton and it is interesting the Jets the old Jets produced a lot of coaches there's been a lot of coaches through the years general managers Jim Nill is now a general manager with the Dallas Stars it's been going on for a long time don't forget Scott Arneal Scott Arneal you know the list goes on there's been a lot of players but why do you suppose that is? I can't quite piece it together because they never were that good of a team. You know, people in Winnipeg loved them, but they very rarely were contenders. 
Well, you know, the Jets always had salary cap issues, and so some of the you know some of the trades they made and the players they got, not necessarily the best players, but I think they were quite cerebral. Uh, take for instance Carlisle. I remember when he arrived in Winnipeg, he was a former Norris Trophy winning defenseman. Uh, not the fastest guy. Was always in the you know in the newspaper. Oh, Carlisle's slow of foot. But I can remember I can remember countless times when there was a play in the Jets defensive zone and the pass went across the middle or whatever, and all of a sudden the stick came out of nowhere and knocked down the pass, and it was Carlisle. He read the game extremely well ever, you know, ever since he was a player, and I think that's one of the, the connections, the correlation there, is the, these, these guys think the game really well. McLean does, Carlisle does. Eakins, still a work in progress. I don't have as much uh, you know, uh, experience watching him or his, 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 his coach teams, so, but definitely I think it's uh, because they're, they're, they think the game. And, and that translates, and they're able to communicate, and that just translates into uh, their coaching philosophy, their strategy. Just quickly, Vancouver Canucks make the playoffs this year? <laughs> uh, you know what? I think a lot of my uh, friends and <laughs> other people in Vancouver are going to hate me, but I see them not making the playoffs this year. Wow. I'd be very surprised if they didn't make the playoffs, if they fell that far. But... You never know. Okay, I, we'll get into that another time, of course, but how about the Edmonton Oilers? Do they make it? The Oilers, you know what? It's a work in progress. Uh, Dallas Eakins, good coach. I think uh, they're still lacking a little bit of talent on the uh, back end in terms of the defense. And uh, I think that the grit factor, I think uh, uh, I think they're, they're a little, I don't know, if their thinking is a little wrong-headed, they said they want you know team toughness, stress team toughness. We don't need a tough guy running shotgun, and they always cite you know Detroit Red Wings as an example of that. But if you take a look, Detroit is a consistent team, uh, but they haven't won a Stanley Cup since 2008. And if you take a look at the roster from that year, uh, they had uh, Darren McCarty and they had Aaron Downey, two guys who like to mix it up a little bit, right? You know. Factor in also the fact they don't have Nicholas Lidstrom, I think, is really going to hold them back. That's why I'm not picking them. But uh, anyways, um, Edmonton, especially for Hemsky, people are always lamenting the fact he's often injured. But I would uh, tell you, after having watched you know so many Edmonton Oilers games for the last few years, Hemsky is constantly being you know battered by the other team, and because uh, they don't have an option like a nuclear weapon to keep the other team honest, you know, people just get away with murder. So. You know, they've got to address the uh, toughness issue, which maybe they did with McIntyre. So That might be that's... why they picked him up. And, you know, obviously that's something they're going to want. I don't think anybody thinks the Calgary Flames are going to make the playoffs, so I don't think we'll even talk about them right now. And I think we're going to wrap it up here on the shootout for today. The Derail Express is on fire today. Like the controversy, very good. We will be back next week with more of the shootout podcast. And thank you very much for listening. All right, well, Merry Christmas. Ha, 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 ha. Hockey season Christmas.